Our, our freedom has come at great price. And liberty, liberty has its price. But Galatians chapter 5, <clears throat> verses, I'm going to read the entire chapter. And the title of this this morning, Preserving Our Liberty. You know, and really, ultimately, our liberty comes from God. You know, our founding fathers understood that truth. These truths are self-evident. They came from God. Uh, in one of his books, um, James Beller quoted the Prime Minister of England during World War One, and he said, this battle is about preserving Baptist teachings. He understood that liberties, liberty comes from God and the right understanding of his word. Um, James, I believe James Bella rightly said that America was a Baptist experiment. You know, the, the, our government is set up, you know, sort of like a Baptist church in a lot of ways. Um, anyway, it's not my purpose this morning, but it is true. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, I'm going to look about, think of this morning about our liberty in Christ and preserving that. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. Be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. We through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the defense of the cross ceased. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. For, brethren, ye have been called under liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things as ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is law, no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. 
Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity we have to open your precious word. Father, we do thank you for our freedom that we enjoy. And thank you, Father, for those who willingly gave their lives, gave all that we might be freed. And Lord, I pray you help us to um, to help us to strive and work and to preserve our liberty in our Lord Jesus Christ, to be obedient to your blessed word. And I pray that you would help us just to be faithful. Bless us as we look into the word of God, speak to our hearts through it. May we be encouraged and challenged, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Liberty. Excuse me. Many people today, I believe, have a skewed understanding of what liberty or freedom is. You know, James tells us in James chapter 1, in verse 25, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Even the, one of the songs we sang talked about a liberty in law. That was a beautiful, spacious guy. It talked about oh, liberty in law. There cannot be liberty if there isn't laws. You know, liberty is built on the fact that your rights don't violate my rights. So there has to be law to govern what rights those rights are. And, of course, you know, our Constitution, uh, we see that in our Constitution... You know, when we were in Taiwan, just to give you an example of this, that the world doesn't really understand America and liberty that we have in America. So we were in Taiwan, and we were talking about the influence of mainland China on Taiwan a little bit. And Alex, he's a, he's a university student, he's a sophomore in university there, bright young fella. Anyway, and we were talking about that, and I said in America, and we were talking about President Trump and some of the things he's doing and how he's hated by the left. And, and, wh- and I said, really, what, what it is, is socialism or communism that's infiltrated our government in many places, in high places, and they're trying to, to uh, uh, convert our country to communism. And Alex looked at me like I was, came out of outer space somewhere. He said, you mean to tell me there are communists in America, in government? Because to him, that would be, you know, if you were a communist, I mean, we have a communist party. They're not lying about it. They're not, they are deceitful. They use deceit to get their, their ends. You know, they create, they create unrest in society. That's what Obama did his whole terms. He created unrest and division in society. That's a communist tactic to overthrow the, the principles of American government, take away our liberties. But anyway, he could not believe that there would be communists allowed in our country. I said, we believe in freedom and liberty. As long as you don't violate my rights, you're allowed to spew your wickedness. And I said, they're in, they're in universities teaching our young people and filling their minds with communist theology. And I said, as long as they don't violate my rights or commit some crime, they're allowed to do that because we have liberty. You see, in, even in Taiwan, in the past, Chiang Kai-shek, if you did that, your head was off. That was not allowed. 
they really didn't have liberty like we have it. So, so there's, most people don't understand what liberty really is. Now, yeah, you could be a Muslim in America as long as you don't try to force your Sharia law on me. You know? Uh, so, so liberty is freedom, uh, is the right to do as I please as long as I don't violate someone else's rights. Really, that's what liberty is. But if you think about liberty in the Bible, Paul here says to the Galatians, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And the word liberty here it means to do or to omit things having no relation to salvation. Uh, so we need to omit or get rid of things um, that don't have to do with salvation, have no relation to salvation. You know, from the yoke of bondage of the, of the Mosaic law, that's the circumcision was a thing here, uh, to, to uh, omit, you know, or, 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 or turn, uh, not be in bondage to the Jewish error, error so blinding the mental vision that does not discern the majesty of Christ. You know, we think about, uh, uh, some of us grew up in religions other than Baptists. And so it, it, sometimes it takes a while for us to really see the truth of the Word of God because we look at it from the persuasion that we grew up in. And we're blinded to the truth because we see it through that, those eyes, so to speak. And of course the Jews couldn't have trouble understanding the truth of the gospel because they looked at everything through the law, through circumcision. And they were blinded. It's freedom. Liberty is freedom from the dominion of corrupt desires. So we do by the free impulse of the soul what the will of God is. And Paul tells us here we need to stand fast. The word stand fast means to keep one standing, maintain your allegiance to freedom, to persist, to persevere. So we are to persevere. We are to persist in this liberty we have in Christ. And not to be entangled again. That word entangled means to be held in or to be ensnared by. So again we see here that liberty requires some action, some perseverance, some effort to preserve. We have to work at preserving it. Just as a nation we have to work at preserving our liberty. President Reagan said this, quote, Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We did not pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same, unquote. So, again, freedom or liberty you know, is, 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 can be taken away from us if we don't uh, preserve it or work to keep it. I think it was Thomas Jefferson said that uh, uh, eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Uh, you know, the Bible here, Bible says in many places, and I'll just read a few places. It says, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. 2 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and in love which is in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews 3.6, but Christ has a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the firm, uh, of the hope firm unto the end. 
In Hebrews 4.14, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed in the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. In Revelation 2.25 again, But that which you have already, hold fast till I come. And then in Revelation 3.3, 3, Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So all these verses tell us or have one thing in common, that we need to hold fast or persevere in or persist in the truth of the word of God if we are to maintain our liberty in Christ, our walk with the Lord. You know, liberty really is the idea of free to walk and serve the Lord not being ensnared by the wickedness, the, the, the lust of our flesh, and the, the snares of the world and of the devil. So it takes effort on our part to maintain or to keep this liberty that God has for us, to walk and to serve Him faithfully. I want to give you four things this morning that we see, I believe, in this passage, that we need to stand fast against if we're going to keep our liberty in Christ. First of all, we have to stand fast against the works of the flesh. Notice verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So he's warning here that we, he said, we're to, if we want to walk in the Spirit, you shall not, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You can't do both. And so we have to fight against the lust or the desires of our flesh. We have to fight against it. You know, Paul, in every letter he wrote to every church, he talked about this. In Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, he gives a lengthy passage here. In Ephesians 4 verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. And he's talking about giving themselves over to, to work all uncleanness with greediness. Verse 19. And if you drop down to verse 24. You put on the new man which after God has created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, put away lying, seek every man truth with his neighbor, who remembers one another. Be angry and sin not, let the sun go, not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him the stole steal no more, but rather than working with his hands, the things which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, that which is good to the use of edifying. They may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And then in chapter 5, he goes, I'm not going to read it all for sake of time, but chapter 5, all the way down to verse 21, talks about not giving in or, and proving what's acceptable, Lord, and not uh, uh, things that are not fitting or becoming of a child of God. Works of the flesh. In Philippians 3, in verse 3, uh, he said to the church at Philippi, Philippians 3, 3, For we are the circumcision which worships God in the Spirit, and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So we're not to put any confidence or trust in the flesh. We must stand against it. In 1 Peter 2, verses 11 and 12, Peter talks about this. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. You see, the fleshly lusts are going to go to war against your soul. They are against your soul. They will destroy your soul. And so we need to give consider, serious consideration to the fact that our flesh is weak, it is faulty, it is prone to wander, it's prone to sin, and we have to fight against it. Fight against it. We see a second thing here, that we must also stand fast against false teachers. False teachers. In chapter 5 of Galatians again, verse 2, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is about debtor to do the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you? that you should not obey the truth. So you're taking heed to some false teacher. That's what he's saying. So who did hinder you? Who's bringing you back into bondage? This persuasion, he says, cometh not of him that calleth you. It isn't coming from God that called you to himself. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded but he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer a persecution? Then is the offense of Christ cease. I would they were even cut off which trouble you. That's a pretty strong language. When Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, he says, you know, these false teachers, they come as angels of light. They come as angels of light. They always come with a measure of truth. Just like Abraham, when he went down into Egypt, he, and he said, she's my sister. There was a measure of truth to that. But it was still a lie. Because she was not only his sister, she was also his wife. And that was the issue at hand, not whether she was related to him or not. You know, our world, our nation, and our churches are filled with false teachers. And it's very close home. You know, many independent Baptists overcome with the success syndrome, making it easier to be saved. 
quote unquote. You believe Jesus loves you? That Jesus died for you? Do you want to go to heaven when you die? You need to be saved. Pray this prayer. That's about the size of a lot of gospel messages. What about who's the Lord Jesus Christ? What is sin? What is repentance? You know, being sorry for your sins is not repentance. Rich young ruler was sorrow. He went away sorrowful, but he didn't repent. Judas was sorry, but he didn't repent. You know, neither of those, both of those were sorry, but neither one was willing to turn away from their sin. That's what repentance is, turning away from your sin, being willing to turn away from your sin. Oh, they were sorry, but they weren't willing to turn away from their sin. And, you know, baptism is a picture not only of Christ's burial, but it's a picture of turning away from your old life. Go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. I remember the pastor one time wrote a book on repentance and he said he had preachers calling him up and cursing him out. And uh, I used to get his emails and and I referenced this passage. I I said, even baptism teaches us that repentance really is turning away from your sin. Look at verse 4, Romans 6. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism in the death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now that verse tells us that if we are truly saved, when we are baptized, we are saying that we are turning away from my old life and we're going to walk in a newness of life. That's a change of direction. That's what repentance really is. A willingness to turn away from the old life and to walk in the new life. You know, like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Verse 5 says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Let me ask you something. Was Jesus' body different after the resurrection than it was before? Yes, it was. It was glorified. There was a change that took place. And when a person is born again, they truly repenting of their sin, there ought to be a change. Okay, where's, where's repentance being taught? Went to a couple of church websites. One said this. Now I'm going to tell you who these are after I'm done reading them. Are you going to heaven when you die, or do you have some doubt? Friend, this is the most important question. Then it goes on and says, it gives you four things you must do in order to go to heaven. You must be born again. Number one, realize that you are a sinner. This is the point that we all must come to if we really, truly want Christ's forgiveness. We have to admit to ourselves, and most importantly to God, that we have sin. Uh, what is sin? God says that sin is anything we think, say, or do that breaks one of his law. Uh, Causes us to miss the mark, so on and so forth. Quotes a couple of verses there in Romans. 
Uh, secondly, we must realize that there is a penalty for sin. Because you have sinned, you must face the penalty for your sin. Penalty is referred to as, in the Bible as the second death, uh, eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. And, and then the third thing, you must realize that Jesus paid the penalty for your sins. God loves you so much that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus, to bear our sin and pay the penalty for us. He was crucified on the cross for you. God says your sin was laid upon Jesus when he became a substitute for you for the penalty of your sin. And then the fourth thing is, we must acknowledge that Jesus wants to give you eternal life in heaven. Everyone can identify with receiving a gift. However, if someone gives you the gift, it's not truly yours until you accept it. Same is true with the gift of eternal life. So he's offering to you. And then the fifth thing it says here, listed here is, believing in Jesus and ask him to be your savior. So the, the Bible tells us there are two actions required to receive the gift of salvation. You must confess. This means you have to tell God that you are a sinner, that Jesus is the only one who can forgive your sin. And second, you must believe in your heart that Jesus shed his blood on the cross, died and was buried and rose again, that he's the only way to heaven. If you confess and believe, God will forgive your sin and save you. Now, is there anything missing there? There's not one word about repentance. It's not even used. Now, some would call this church bashing. However, I remember about 20 years ago as a Bible conference, and this guy got up and preached the message about Bob Jones University's compromise. A pastor friend of mine said, there was just a lot of Bob Jones bashing. The sad thing is, the pastor who preached that message is still faithful. Reaching people with the truth. The pastor who said it was just a lot of Bob Jones bashing has followed this kind of stuff. pastor who preached the message was Gary Webb. This is Beacon Baptist Church right here in Raleigh. Here's another one. How to get to heaven. Four steps. First step towards salvation relationship with Jesus. Recognize sin in your own life. Second, Jesus laid down his life as a sacrificial lamb on the rugged cross. Jesus' blood was shed as atonement for our sin. He has provided a way for us to be forgiven. Third, once we understand we are sinners, we need to know the consequences of unforgiven sin, eternal separation from God. And then fourth, salvation is a free gift through his son, Jesus, and like any gift, must be received. Salvation is received privately through the heart and publicly by confession. Okay, so now you know what salvation is. If you have not secured your place in heaven, it's not too late. You can do it right now. The process is easy. Confess, believe, accept. You can do it now simply by telling God, Praying something like this and gives you a prayer to pray. This is News Baptist Church. What about who is Jesus Christ? You know, a lot of people have a lot of different ideas who Jesus Christ is. What is sin? You know, God gave us the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and then he spent Five books explain how those commandments apply to life. Five books. We can just go this through simple four-step process and let people understand what sin is. Not in our day and time. 
Jesus said, except you repent, you shall likewise perish. Neither of these have anything to say about repentance. There is a lot of truth in this. But there's some very important things missing. Very important things missing. Brother Forney said when he went to the Arctic, of course, this was a method that he was always that he was taught and that he used. And he says that he got the first convert was a lady who was who had been immoral, alcoholic, and known for immorality. She was basically a prostitute, and they were so excited, and they were excited to see the change in her life. And for a few months, things appeared to change. But he said within a year's time, she was right back to her old lifestyle. And he said the credibility of our ministry was totally destroyed. He said, I let her send us prayer. But she was not saved. You know, he made this statement that has stuck with me, I'll never forget. He said, you can't disciple an unconverted sinner. You know, I believe that a person truly gets saved, they'll, they'll be discipled. They'll desire it. They'll desire to read and study the Word of God. You see, these are promising. Peter talks about those in 2 Peter 2.19 that they promise them liberty and they themselves are the servants of corruption. So we have to forsake Warn against false teachers. Third thing here, we have to forsake worldliness. We have to forsake worldliness. Uh, in verse uh, 24 it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. In 1 John 2.15 it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passed away in the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You know, we read earlier about uh, how the Bible says we're to prove all things, hold fast that which is good. That means we need to examine everything in light of the word of God. Everything in light. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, verse 4, For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. So he says everything is to be sanctified by the word of God in prayer. That word sanctified means set apart or approved by God. Everything. So we ought to ask ourselves a question when things, with things in the world, have they been approved, or are they, are they holy to the Lord? Has it been declared clean, pure, holy, or usable by God's people? it be what we eat, drink, music, we listen to, the way we dress, the speech we use, our business dealings, our financial stewardship, uh, issues of human sexuality. Has it been approved by God? You know, there are some issues out there in the world that are, Many issues that have been approved. Drinking alcoholic beverages has never been approved by God. Sodomy has not been approved by God. And again, it's a war of the mind. 
is he says if you do these things, you'll be nourished up. That means that word nourished up there means to educate, to form in the mind. The battle is in the mind. Romans 12, 2 says we can be transformed by the renewing of their mind. Ephesians 4, 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Again, it's a war of the mind. The world wants to capture the minds of our young people and indoctrinate them. They say we brainwash them. What does indoctrinate means to brainwash? And that's what they're doing in the public school system. In our colleges and universities. And through our media. They're trying to indoctrinate. You know, the media's goal is to teach you what the truth really is. Not to report the news. Not to report the news. Or not to say what the president said. No. What he meant by that. They want to interpret it for you. They've even admitted it. And so we have to be so careful who we listen to. Examining all things in light of the word of God and his church. You know, 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are going out into the world. And 1 Timothy three fifteen says, But if I tarry long, that thou must know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. You know, we ought to ask ourselves two questions. When it comes to things of the world. Number one is, is it approved by the word of God? Secondly, is it approved by the church? The pillar and ground of the truth. So we have to forsake worldliness. And fourthly, we need a faith that's energized by a fervent love for the truth. Notice Galatians 5 verse 6. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. We need a faith that works by love. That word worketh is the word energo or energy. We need a faith that's energized by our love for the truth. You know, Jude wrote in Jude 1, Verses 3 and 4, he says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before ordained of old, or old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turned the grace of our God in lasciviousness, lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 21 he says, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, how do you keep yourself in the love of God? Keep means to attend to carefully, to take care of. How do you keep love in a marriage relationship? Don't talk to your spouse. Don't spend any time with her. They say absence makes the heart grow fonder. I actually have read psychiatrists instructing married couples who are having problems to separate for a time to help their relationship. 
that? How dumb can you be? Now, if you're going to keep your love and your marriage, you've got to take care of that relationship. You've got to uh, attend to it. You have to spend time together. You learn to love those you spend time with. And this is true of the church. Look at look at first John. I'm back finished. Really am. First John chapter one. First John chapter one, verse three. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So John says, we want you to have fellowship with us and to have full joy. If you have fellowship with the Son and with, and with Jesus, the Father and with us, you'll have full joy. Uh, so, again, the idea is spending time with. There has to be uh, obedience. Look at chapter 2, verse 3. Hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as he walked. So if we are going to keep his commands, we have to know what they are. We have to spend time. We have to give attention to them so that we know them. And, if we, and so, again, the idea of spending time or attending to or taking care of, there needs to be also a love for the brethren. Verse 9, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brothers in darkness even unto now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. A love for the brother. By the way, I think that will be automatically produced if we are attending to his word. Considering one another, as Hebrews 10 tells us, Considering one another to provoke unto love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much more, but exhorting one another so much more as to see the day approaching. So we have to have a faith that's energized by a fervent love. When Jude said to earnestly contend, the picture there is a, a the striving or the earnestness of a wrestler trying to pin his opponent. He's giving it all his effort. Praying one for another. James tells us we're to pray one for another. Confess your faults one another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You know, we have liberty in Christ. But Paul wants us to stand. Let me say that. The Lord wants us to stand fast, to preserve, to keep that liberty. And to do that, we're going to have to fight for it. We're going to have to fight for it. Just like we have to fight to maintain our liberties as a nation.
for evil to prevail, all it takes is what? Good men to do nothing. That's true in our nation. That's true in our churches. Because we have an adversary that's walking about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He wants to destroy Lighthouse Baptist Church. He wants to destroy you and you and you and you. And if it's the only way he can do it, he'll take us out one at a time. One at a time. You see, this liberty of ours in Christ requires vigilance. Are you working? Are you feeding your soul? How is your relationship and your fellowship with the Lord? Are you being faithful to Him? Reading, studying, giving heed to the preaching of His Word, being faithful in the commands that God has given us in His Word, letting the Word of God be our guide, our test, our litmus test, if you will, for what we allow in our lives, what we participate in. Stand fast. Might God help us to stand fast.